Hello, this is William Fink, and this is the Christagenia Open Forum. It is Monday, April 4th, 2011. That was the Stur the crossing is the name of the, the 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 group that did that piece. That was called the Stirrup Cup, and and it was pretty good. I I love homegrown Celtic folk music. If you haven't been able to tell, it's probably um the, the best music our races. I, I mean, I, I know that, that that symphony music is is much more intricate and and much more advanced, but but it, it's also um it, it's it's also contrived and and even though it's beautiful music, it, it's engineered and and Celtic folk music I think comes just from the heart a, a lot more. Okay, this is um first I have a few announcements concerning Christogenia itself. The the Compare archive at Christogenia.org is is um I have a little editing to do on the site, but it's complete. All of the podcasts and all of the papers that Clifton Emma Heiser had um transcribed because Gene Snyder's version was unavailable to us in computer form and Clifton added a lot of critical notes to it, what which are, are, are very good and um that's it. Comparay.christagenia.org. The Christagenia Forum, and, and I mean not this TeamSpeak chat, not Christagenia.net, I, I mean the forum at Christagenia.org, forum.christagenia.org. The Christagenia Forum has, um, and also it, it's got to be just about every forum in the world this, this year. It's crazy. Last year on, on the Christagenia Forum, I was getting about... 10 to 12 uh, is my estimate spam registrations people trying to register to the board with 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 false emails and and um or commercial emails and and russian or ukrainian or moldovan or or um hong kong and china um ip numbers and and they want to register for the board just so they could post spam right and and that's a a big trick in in on, on the internet today that they um they they love little companies with 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 marketing clients usually in pharmaceuticals and pornography love to get links all over the internet to push uh, and unrelated topics even to push themselves up the search engines and and it's garbage it it's like loading your mailbox up with junk mail uh, or or your postal mailbox up with with junk mail it doesn't matter it it's trash it it's the seedy side of the internet and and all last year and and um well I don't think I had a forum the year before right well well I was getting 10 to 12 spam registrations um a week and that was totally manageable. Well, well now this year, ever, ever since around Christmas, it's been it's been eighteen to thirty a day sometimes, and and it's just crazy. And and I'm just disgusted with it. It's a management headache. It's a pain in the neck to sit there and ban all those IP numbers and delete all those usernames. And and it takes away. By the time I do that, I don't even want to look at the forum. It, it's crazy. I don't even want to look there and post anything because I just spent 15 minutes deleting, going through this mundane routine of deleting all these clowns off my board. Well, well um, today I shut the Christogenia board for forum registration off and posted a notice that if anybody wants to register for the Christogenia forum, I, I um. 
I, I suggested they go to the contact page at christagenia.org and drop me a note with the username they would like. I'll spend a lot less time registering users myself that then deleting all these hundreds of spam accounts every week. It's just nuts. And, and I'm having the same problem, not only at Christagenia, but I have a business forum that, that's absolutely unrelated to Christagenia. Nobody that finds Christagenia could probably find my business forum with any, you know, ease. And, and um, that's also being deluged with spam registrations and I know other people at forums are having the same problems so so I just shut off the registration they, they can't register anymore it's a lot easier for me to delete an email than, than to delete some some um, idiot signing up for the board and and they, a lot of them use spam bots that they're um, little programs that that run in the background on a server somewhere that make registrations and, and record the results and and it's not even people typing the stuff in, right? So so that's done. That's that's not happening anymore. It's all over with. I, I upgraded the forum today and um, made made some modifications to the code and installed some additional software in it to do that. And and it went well. The the forum's updated with the latest software, PHP BB. Okay. Aside from that, I, I received the um. The new ensign this week, and and Eli James's Beast of the Field Part Three is in it, and and he makes two dozen mentions of Clifton Emmerheiser's name in Beast of the Field Part Three, and and I don't I, I don't like to boast I don't even like to talk about myself but but I did a um a, a revelation program on Revelation chapters nineteen and twenty on Friday on on Christogenia on Talk Show. And a, a man who's clothed, who's fast becoming a, a dear friend it is um, a Baptist minister, trained Baptist minister for 30 years. And he's been in identity for several years now. And he said that, he said it was the best sermon against universalism that he's ever heard. Well, well all I think I did was, well, was go over the scripture, right? And, and you know, if, um, if Jeremiah says that all the nations where Israel is scattered will be made a full end of, a full end will be made of all of those nations. And if Psalm 118 says that all nations have come against the children of Israel, and in the name of Yahweh they will all be destroyed. And if Ezekiel chapter 39 says that, all the nations that come against the children of Israel in these days, with, with Gog and Magog, and even E.Y. James admits that the Ashkenazi Jew is Gog, that the world Jewry is Gog, and, and E.Y. James understands the, the gravity of, of the Ezekiel 38 and 39. And, and if Ezekiel 39 says that all these people that come against us are going to be destroyed, that's the word of God, that's three witnesses. There's, there's more witnesses than that. I, I mean, I gave at least eight or ten on, on Friday. But I think three witnesses is enough. If you take any other scripture and, and try to make it refute scripture, well, then you're taking something out of context to do that. Because no part of the Word of God negates or refutes any other part of the Word of God. If you think it does 
then you're wrong and you better go back and study the passages because the conflict is in your thinking. The conflict is not in the Word of God. Sometimes it's in a translation. Sometimes it's in a corrupted verse, a verse that can be demonstrably shown to be corrupt. There's a few of them. Deuteronomy 23.7, Genesis 4.1, the famous one. But E.Y. James in his Beast of the Field Part 3, he still want to save the beast campaign. And that's just incredible. 2 Peter chapter 2, 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter explains to us that the beasts, that these people who are not Israelites, who are partaking of our feasts, who are sharing things with us that they really don't have a right to share because Yahweh has given them as gifts to, to the children of Israel. Peter tells us that those people are like evil beasts made to be taken and destroyed. If you want a gospel to the beasts, that's the gospel to the beasts. Eli insists on saving the beasts. His last, his most recent beast of the field article published in this month's New Ensign magazine is basically a, a, um, a, a defense of the beasts and, and, a, and, and an attack on Clifton. 23 times I think I counted he mentioned Clifton's name. And, and um, he, he doesn't mention my name, but I, I'd side with Clifton 100%. I don't care if he mentions my name or not. Uh, I would side with Clifton 100% on everything Clifton's written about the beasts of the field. It, even though I probably only agree with 99% of it, but that's okay. The um, one passage Eli loves to point to is Isaiah chapter 13. And we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 13. And, and I'm going to read 13 verses... Um, 12 through 17. It's talking about the destruction of Babylon. The key to understanding this passage is which Babylon? I'll start at verse 11. And I will punish the world for their evil, and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease, and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I will make a man more precious than fine gold. Even a man... Than the gold, than the golden wedge of Ophir. Therefore, I will shake the heavens and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of Yahweh of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. Now, is this talking about the, the fall of mystery Babylon? We will see that shortly. And it shall be as the chaste row, and as a sheep that no man taketh up, they shall every man turn to his own people, and flee everyone into his own land. Now right here is the verse that Eli loves to point to, that gives the Chinese a ticket back to China, and the Mexicans a ticket back to Mexico. However... I cited eight or ten, I don't know, it was quite a few scriptures on Friday that say explicitly that all the people gathered against the children of Israel in the last days shall be destroyed. It'll take us seven months to bury them. All the nations gathered against the children of Israel shall be destroyed by Yahweh for the glory of Yahweh. Do we take this one passage in Isaiah 13 and negate the rest of those scriptures. And there are many. Well, let's see what Isaiah 13 is talking about. Let's read Isaiah 13, verse 14. And it shall be as the chaste row, and as a sheep that no man taketh up, they shall 
Every man turn to his own people and flee everyone into his own land. Everyone that is found shall be thrust through, and everyone that is joined unto them shall fall by the sword. Their children also shall be dashed to pieces before their eyes, their houses shall be spoiled, and their wives shall be ravaged. Behold, I will stir up the needs against them. That's the key to understanding this passage. Because the needs, well, well they haven't existed as a nation in well over 2,000 years. And in fact, it was the Medes, in concert with the Persians, who destroyed ancient Babylon. Where it says that every man shall return to his own land, it's talking about ancient Babylon. It's not talking about the coming mystery Babylon, when Gog and Magog gathered the peoples of the world against the children of Israel, as we see going on in front of us right now. That's not what this passage is talking about. This passage is talking about ancient Babylon. I will stir the Medes up against them. The Medes, being white Aryan people, were stirred up at that time against the Babylonians, who were for the most part also white people, the Chaldeans. Let's read on. Their bows shall also, shall also, in, in other words, it's adding to what those verses before the mention of the Medes, their bows also shall dash the young men to pieces, and they shall have no pity on the fruit of the womb, their eyes shall not spare children, and Babylon the glory of kingdoms. The beauty of the Chaldees' excellency. The beauty of the Chaldees' ex Well, the Chaldees are a white Syrian people who were the, the tribe with hegemony in ancient Babylonia. Chaldees are nowhere to be found today. Oh, oh I'm sure there's people of mixed blood. And, and there might be some, some ancient Syrians and, and who, who joined themselves to the children of Israel in their trek to Europe. But for the most part, we don't have any Chaldees. We haven't had any Chaldees in, in 2,000 years. I'm sorry, in 2,500 years. Not to speak of. So here we have the Medes and the Chaldees, and we have to read this passage in context. We have to read every passage in context. This passage does not set all those passages at naught, which attest that all of our enemies today are going to be destroyed. And all of these alien races that come against the children of Israel in this time. Ezekiel 39, Psalm 118, which is a messianic prophecy talking about the second advent. And those other passages that I cited, that all state that the children of Israel are going to be saved, and everybody else is going to be destroyed. That's the gospel. I am not going to be ashamed of that gospel. I am not going to soften that gospel up to make certain people comfortable, to make certain people feel good. I'm not going to take that gospel and go rubbing it in the face of the enemy, just like I wouldn't go off to a bear in the forest and kick him in the ass. Just like I wouldn't kick a passing dog. It's only common sense. But I'm not going to be ashamed of the gospel of God. And I'm sure neither is Clifton. I can see from the people that aren't here, I know those people who are ashamed of the gospel of God. Who find Eli James to be a comforting person, which he is. But he's also a compromising person. 
I find Eli James's Beast of the Field Part 3 article to be a disgrace. I challenge Eli James to take apart my presentation on Revelation 19 and 20 that I gave Friday. Make that your article in May, Eli. Go ahead. Keep denying the gospel of God. And everybody that listens to you is giving you comfort in doing it. That's all I have to say on that issue. I'll leave it go there. Eli keeps rubbing um. He, he keeps, um, maybe he has nothing else to do or nothing better to do. He keeps agitating this situation. I find it shameful. I find him shameful. He has compromised the gospel. He has compromised the word of God. It's a damn shame. And those people that listen to him are giving him comfort. Eli is denying Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Psalm 118, and the Revelation. Let me say one more thing before I, before I hang up this topic. I'm, I'm sorry. Revelation 3.9. It says, you know, Yahweh saying to, to, um, you know, that might be the assembly at Smyrna, but, but I might be wrong, right? This is off the top of my head. But Revelation 3.9, Yahshua says, Behold, I will make those who say they are the synagogue of Satan and are not, I'm sorry, who say they are Judeans but are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan, meaning the Edomite Jews, the adversary, the seed of the serpent. I will make them come to worship at your feet. For a thousand years, Revelation chapter 20, and Eli admits that that thousand years in Revelation chapter 20 is when the Jews were locked into the ghettos or outside of the Christian, of the Christian world, one or the other. I mean, both cases are true, right? As I've exposited. Eli admits that. Well, that is the period during which the Jews worshipped at the feet of Christian nobles, of Christian clergy. For a thousand years, the Jews groveled at the feet of Christians. That's when that was fulfilled. It's not going to happen again. It's not going to happen in the future. Because on, upon the return of Christ, all of his enemies go into the lake of fire. And the lake of fire is a destructive fire. It's very easy to see that the lake of fire is a destructive fire, and not the cleansing fire that Wesley Swift wanted to make it. Because hell and death, the beast and the false prophet, all go into the lake of fire, and as sure as hell isn't any cleaning them up. How do you clean up hell and death? I'll tell you how the lake of fire is a purifying fire. Because it purges us from the beasts. It purges us from death. It purges us from the false prophet. It purges us from everybody who's not written into the book of life. And I've read the book of life. If Yahshua Christ is the word of life, then the gospel has to be the book of life. And only the children of Israel are written into it. That's it. Now I'll leave this topic alone. Thank you. I'm sorry about the rant. Uh, I just had to respond to Eli's um, Beast of the Field Part 3. And, and I have to um, send a clear message to all the people that still listen to Eli without reprimanding him for his position. I feel that he should be reprimanded and, and not comforted. That's the way it is. And and Maui Patricia and, and Warrior Son of David and Bill Gloss and, and all these other people, I'm talking to you. That's the way it is. This is a war we're in. 
This is not a joke. Life is not clown time. Paul says that it's not against flesh and blood that we fight. It's against spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. If we're fighting a war, if we're going to show ourselves to be worthy before our Father, then we cannot be ashamed of His gospel. All the nations have gathered against me, and in the name of Yahweh, I will destroy them. That's Psalm 118. It's repeated three times in that psalm. When I read that psalm, I'm not the one repeating it. That's the words of the psalmist that keeps repeating that same line, and that's a messianic prophecy. That's the way it is, and that's the gospel of God. I'm never going to be ashamed of it. I'll recite it all the way to prison, or all the way back. It doesn't matter. Be not afraid of those who kill the body and then do nothing. Do nothing further. Be afraid of him who can kill the body and then destroy your spirit. Okay, this is an open forum. And that means that I need some feedback. And, and if we don't have an open forum discussion, I can't have an open forum. And I don't have any more program planned for tonight. So this could be a short program or, or we could have some, um, so, some input and, and some fellowship. And, and I'm even open to, um, I'm even open to being censured if you disagree with me. So, so I, I mean, that's not a problem. That's the way it is. Hello, Bruce. Hello. I think that chocolate and being locked up in that moldy basement and that Samson dog's getting to your head, Bill. Well, well, that's the way it is. That, that's you know, all I'm doing is reading the Bible. I sit here in this in, in this old basement. I I work all day and I read the Bible and 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 I I I repeat what I read. Well, that's know, all I do. Bullshit. Well, I was you know I was I was pulling your leg, but uh, the excuses people make that they don't want to face the. Uh, the uh, hardcore, when I say hardcore, I mean the uh, original meaning of God's word is they, they. what we do is we do make excuses and we put out things that attempt to trip up those who do follow follow the spirit, the context of what scripture is saying. There's all kinds of... Uh, well, well, absolutely. What we flee the refuge in, in, in one verse that we twist the meaning of because we don't like what the rest of these verses say. That's just crazy. That's nuts. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's trying to manipulate the Almighty into our, 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 our stupid image. He is the potter, and we are the clay. And the clay doesn't say to the potter, Why did you make me this way? <laughs> in Romans chapter 9. We are made in His image. If, of course, we were made in His image. We can't make Him in our image. That's a false god. That's an idol. Oh yeah, and everything put together by the Jew and by man, uh, you know, is 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 ultimately going to attempt to trip up, or uh, belittle, or 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 slam, or defile, or be at war or against the Almighty. And that's exactly what we do when we don't take the time and care to search the Scriptures in its right context. Yeah. So that was that whole that whole passage in Isaiah was speaking of uh, Babylon and uh, back in the time and, and the context. Yeah. But well, when you look at the context, yeah, you know the, the the fall of mystery Babylon, it, and and the people of God are commanded to come out from her. But he says that he's going to destroy all these nations gathered against us. He's not going to scatter them. 
there's, there's no other verse which says that he's going to scatter them. It says he's going to destroy them. Absolutely. The time of the, the day of the wrath of Yahweh is a day of gathering for his people. It's not a day of scattering. The fall of ancient Babylon was a day of scattering. So therefore, every man will go back to his own nation. Context is entirely different. And it says specifically, I will send the Medes and bring down the pride of the Chaldeans. Now, there aren't any more Medes, and there aren't any more Chaldeans, so you don't see Medes and Chaldeans in connection with History Babylon and Revelation 19. Eli, Eli was attempting to sneak that verse into uh, universalizing it, right? But, well, right. He, he, he's trying to make excuses for beasts. It, it, Eli's creating a gospel to the beast that is not found in the New Testament. Who Peter chapter 2? That's the gospel to the beasts. Those people who aren't worthy to eat with us but are, they're like evil beasts made to be taken and destroyed. So what happens to the beasts in the New Testament? Destroyed by our true, by the, by the true destroyer. Destroyer of the destroyer. The destroyers. <laughs> well, let's rightly divide the word of truth. Rather than try to make excuses to people so that we don't offend anybody. I don't care if I'm called a hate cult or not. As he's been spouting for three months now. That Clifton and I are a hate cult. Yeah, somehow we have to take out the perfect hatred that that David expressed in, uh, about having a perfect hatred towards all those who hate the ways of Yahweh, the laws and way. Well, well, if I ever started any kind of cult, I'd want to start a love cult because I love the Word of God. And, and I'm not ashamed of it. That's just the way it is. Completely, yes. And, and Eli's tactics, la labeling Clifton and I a hate cult and... and consistently agitating this situation. He's acting every bit the Jew as far as I'm concerned. He just can't leave it alone and even walk away from it. Paul encouraged us to have sex amongst our, our ecclesia so that we can point out those honorable men who really do express the word of Yahweh in a rightful place. I know you express that in your Revelation studies. Well, well I noticed people here and... and, and um. That, that hate to see this division. And, and I don't blame them. I, I really do. I, I'm ashamed of it. I'm not glorying in this. But we're fighting a war. And, and we have to rightly divide the gospel. We have to rightly interpret the gospel. But this is, the, you know, life is not about being a clown and, 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 and choosing a side because it's popular or, or comfortable. That, that's not what life's about, I'm sorry. But life is about facing the whole... That facing the hard reality and, and the cold hard facts. And, and I know it's, it, it's, it's uncomfortable and, and division sucks. But Paul says, and, and um, it, it's in 1 Corinthians, Paul says there must be sects among you. And in that manner, the anointed will become evident among you. That, that's the way it is. Yes. And universalism is not the way to go. And, and making this message popular is not the way to go. And, and I told, Eli James told me before I got out of prison that Christian identity was getting popular. And I told him, well, that's bad. And he said, what do you mean that's bad? And I said, because why does the path to destruction? And Eli said to me, well, what if you're the one that makes it popular? And I told him, point blank, then I know I'm really screwing up. <laughs> that's the way it is.
And and that's a conversation I had with Eli before I got a, out of prison. Well, well, Kent, we we don't we don't deny the Psalm one eighteen. Go read it. We don't deny Ezekiel thirty nine. All the people, all the nations that come against the children of Israel are are destroyed here, and it takes us seven months to bury the bodies. That, that's a cold, hard prophecy right there. How could we deny that? Psalm 118, all nations are gathered against me. Me in Psalm 118, if you read it carefully, me is the body of Christ. It's talking about the body of Christ and his return, he being the stone which the builders rejected, which has become the head of the corner. Well, the rest of the building is us. The rest of the building are the children of Israel. And all nations gathered against me are all nations gathered against the children of Israel. Language in in, in, Ezekiel, in in Revelation chapter 19 and 20, as I demonstrated on Friday, I don't know if you've had the chance to listen to Friday's program or not, uh, I really strongly suggest that you do, is identical with the language in Ezekiel 39. The wedding supper of the Lamb is all about the destruction of all those who come against the children of Israel at this day and age. Now, we don't know when Yahweh is going to make that happen, but I don't have any other gospel. But for the beasts. I don't have anything comforting to say to them. And we're just fooling ourselves and deceiving ourselves and, and basically leading to the promotion of universalism to comfort them in any way. And, and that's a dangerous ground. That's a dangerous slippery slope. That's a slippery slope straight to hell. I can't go there. I'm not stepping on that slope. Yes, John. Well, the funny thing about this particular division is that Eli is fooling himself and those like him if they think that he's not going to be labeled a hate cult by the other races. Well, absolutely. If you make any distinction, and I know this from 25 years in jail and prison, if you make any distinction at all between white and black, the black man will hate you for it. And if you make any distinction at all between Mexican and white, the Mexican will hate you for it. They don't accept that. They want full um, that they want full equality and, and full rights in, in our nations. That that's what they, they, they insist on. And and in in fact they want to be the head and to make us the tail. While they discriminate us against us in their nations. Right. And in their neighborhoods and in their businesses. They want to be over us, and if we don't let them be over us, they will hate us. And he is kidding himself. He doesn't know them well enough. If you don't give the black man your daughter, he's going to hate you. If you don't bend over and give him yourself, he's going to hate you. That's the way it is. That's the way they think. It's the law of the jungle with them. That's the only law they know. They'll never have the law of God, and they'll never be taught it. And it's never made for them. You know, I have a question about the culmination of the the end of the judgment day. Now, it says, Peter says that it will burn in fire, or and at the end, fire will come down from heaven and destroy them. Uh, how do you see that as manifesting itself? It, it doesn't matter. I'm not. That, that's a very enigmatic statement, right? The, this world will end in fire. Maybe in, in fire is the trials of this life, too. So Peter may have been talking allegorically, right? Or maybe we could take Peter's connect, statement and connect it to Paul's that will suddenly be transformed, right? 
but but anything I say about what that may be is is pure conjecture, right? But Elijah called fire down from heaven, literally devouring men. But well, right, and Sodom and Gomorrah was the same scenario. Elijah's fire didn't devour men. Yeah, yes, maybe it did. It devoured men. I'm sorry. It it was meant for the for the um, sacrifices on the altar, though. That that was the um, the purpose of it, right? That was the original challenge that Elijah gave those worshiping Baal. Yes, Kent, prophecy is best understood as the event. But there are so many witnesses. I gave eight or ten witnesses Friday on the destruction of all the non-Israelite people. And, and I suggest that, and I wouldn't suggest that anybody preach something to the contrary. That is a perversion of the Word of God. That's just the way it is. We, we should not have a gospel for the beasts, as Eli insists on having. We should not insist on comforting those of other races, as Eli insists on having. It leads to universalism. It's always going to lead to universalism, and it's wrong. It's, it, it's, ashamed, it's being ashamed of the word of God, and it's wrong. Please listen to my program on Friday. It, it's right on the front page of Christagenia. Chris all my notes are there. Bill, going back to what I was just saying, now, this uh, this fire that comes down from heaven, now, some out there still think that it's going to be by our hand, God using us to destroy the other races. Well, well there's scripture that indicates that. There's Micah 4 where it says, I, I cited two scriptures actually to indicate that on Friday, one of them being Micah 4. But I don't like to promote that because, for two reasons. First, vengeance belongs to Yahweh. It's very clear that whatever happens, we will know that it's the hand of God that does it. Whether we participate or not doesn't matter. That's only secondary. Second, if indeed we are going to participate, we will be 100% successful and there will be no doubt in our in in our spirit that it's Yahweh who who has made us successful. But we will know what to do, when to do it, and, and the spirit will guide us. But we won't. It, it won't be on the initiation of men. There are many men out in the in, in the world today, especially in in the um, nationalist circles and Christian identity circles, that think that we should go out into the streets and and. Start, let the shit hit the fan right now. I can't promote that because I know that that's not right. And I challenge those men that, that if they think that we should be doing that, that they shouldn't be sitting behind their computers running their mouths. They should be out in the streets doing it. And, and nobody's taken me up on that challenge yet. It's just not ours to initiate. We'll know if, if we're the, to... Um, uh, arise, Zion, and, and thresh, as it says in Micah 4.13, I, I believe it is, what we'll know, and, and it won't be the utterance of any man that tells us. Well, Bill, the only way I see that is happening, if we're to participate in this, that means God, or through his angels, is, is going to have to contact us as individuals or as groups. But, well, I mean, that there have been great events in the past that, that were inspired by God, and, and men didn't even realize it. Fist, I, I'm not going to speculate on any of that. I'm, I'm just not a speculator. Yeah, Fist, a 9.0 earthquake uh, couldn't, couldn't take out more than, like, what, 10,000 Japanese? 
Isaiah 41, Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing. And they that strive with thee shall perish. Thou shalt seek them and shall not find them. That's the way it is. And, and that's the way we have to look at it. And, and that's what we have to teach. Because that's what the word of God is. And, and it's over and over again in the scripture. In the prophets, in the revelation, in the parables. And we can't be ashamed of that. There's sheep and there's goats. There's no third choice. You're a son or you're a bastard. There's no third choice. All the bastards are going to be destroyed. Everything that offends. A bastard is a plant that Yahweh did not plant. That's that strange plant of Jeremiah chapter 2. Its sin can't be washed off. It can't be cleansed. It's going to be destroyed. Because it falls under that category of everything that offends. That's the way it is. And, and Eli is taking all those parables of Christ and all those sayings of Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and, and Isaiah, and he's making them not, but with a couple of passages that he takes out of context. And, and that's crazy. That, that's just sick. That, that's a man with an agenda to make this more popular, to make it appeal to British Israel, to make it appeal to mainstream Christians. He, he, he mentioned that with his own mouth. He said that with his own mouth on his January 23rd, I think it was, program. And now he's attacking Clifton in this Beast of the Field Part 3, and, and he, he continues to promote his gospel to the beasts. Which is, and that's destructive. It's wrong and it's destructive. So, so it's for the sake of all the people that still listen to him that, that, um, that, that I do this tonight. And, and Kent, I really do hope you listen to my Friday program. And I wish Greg Howard would listen to it, too. And Greg Howard, now this is a man that, he, he separated from his wife because she insisted on bringing beasts home. And now he's working with Eli, who insists on saving beasts. So, so Greg should just get back, to, uh, I don't know, he shouldn't, he shouldn't waste his money on lawyers. He should just get back with his wife. Okay, honey, you can bring them home now. Eli said they could be saved. That's, that, that's um, Greg's attitude, obviously. It, it's a damn shame. What do they adopt uh, children? Uh, no, 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 no. His wife is a mainstream Christian, and she wants to bring her Negro friends home from church. And and Greg wouldn't stand for it, and they separated. Well, well, now Greg's working with Eli, and and I think that he should just bring his wife back and tell her she can bring all the beasts home she wants. I don't see why he why he's wasting the money on the lawyers and destroying his marriage. I don't get the point now. So, so the wife considers uh, people of another race friends better than her husband. That's ridiculous. Well, 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 yeah, basically that's what it boils down to. That's like loving your cat more than your, your child. Watch out. Gerald's here. I'm just kidding, Gerald. <laughs> no offense to Jocko, Gerald. Clifton, are you there? I'm here. Oh, I just thought maybe you wanted to say something in response to all this. That's all. It, it's. I'm not twisting your arm, but thought I'd give you the opportunity. I'm. I'm all for what you said tonight. Is my mic working all right? Yeah, there's a little feedback, but I just won't talk. <laughs> uh huh. Well, I tell you, I don't think there's any hope for Eli. Well, well, I don't. I, I, I hate to say it, but I don't think so either, because he he has an agenda. 
All right, Bill. All right, Bill. Um, when you say Clifton and you say there's no hope, what what do you mean? He's going to remain in his error. He, he's never going to see it. Which means in the end? Well, well, it means that he's going to have to face Christ because he was ashamed of his words. He who was ashamed of, of, of me and my words, that the Son of Man will also be ashamed of before, before my Heavenly Father and the angels, right? That is, if Eli is one of us. If he's one of us, he's going to have to face the judgment. Of course, I'm going to have to face the judgment, too. Why is that? I mean, uh, Eli, gonna, we're all going to have to face the judgment. <clears throat> it's going to be in six categories. It's going to be gold, silver, precious stones, and a wooden stubble. And if we've been preaching the wrong thing, it's going to be a wooden stubble. And if we're not, if, if we're not a, uh, if we're not a true white man, an Adamite, uh, there's no hope for us. We're, we're going to be dead. That's our judgment. These other races won't be at the judgment. Their judgment is they're going to be dead. Nope. Everybody not found written into the book is is going to the lake of fire. And that was, I don't think that was originally the book of life. It was the tree of life. And it's written in your DNA. Well, well, right. That's how you're written into the book of, the, of life. You're an Adamite or you're not. You have the spirit or you don't. And nobody shouldn't say, I, I've heard different people when I did say, oh, it's not a racial thing. Well, it has everything to do with race. Right. When it well, says you have to be born of, uh, from above, it means it has to be born of the heavenly race. Hello, everybody. Hello, Mike. John, you made it home all right, huh? Yes, sir. Uh, that was, uh, we had a good time. It was, it was. Hey, did you get that link I just sent you? Yes, I did. Thank you. Oh, my God. Save that for later. Mike, this is on tape, right? Huh? This is an open forum program. It is on tape, right? Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> That's a little inside joke. Oh, well, uh, why don't you give us a rundown for, for the podcast? Um, yeah, we all had a good time over here and uh, discussed a lot of things, and uh, it was a good time. Good time. Good, good to meet each other, you know, and be able to conversate in person. I do have, uh, I can bring up the whole Amish thing we uh, dealt with earlier, and I have to say it was quite depressing. Why? Well, uh, we, we drove out today to an Amish community just to see... Uh, Ask them some basic questions, you know, how uh, how they deal with uh, converts. They don't at all, obviously, which is a good thing because that certainly is going to mean their bloodline is pure. But also, um, you know, we wanted to know, like, how they dealt with taxes and everything else. And they're basically having to resort to uh, prostituting themselves out to general commerce outside of their own community to even pay property taxes nowadays and that a lot of their children out of their families are um, leaving their communities to go work for the Jew and make the almighty dollar and uh, yeah it was it was just um, we, we thought they we thought they might have been able to hold a little more strength within their communities than they were but the, the Jew is even running down these guys well, you know, I think I said the other night that the the, the Amish were selling um, 
that their wares out to the wider community to make money to pay their taxes, right? Yeah, I didn't catch that. You're spot on with that. If that was yes, that's what I said the other night in the um, in, in the open house. That, that's what. They had seven, seven sons, and none of them took on the farming thing because they were uh, all enticed by uh, making more money. Well, well, right, and there's a lot of family farms up where I live right here. There's um, three farms on, on this little stretch, one-mile stretch of road I live on. Now, one of these farms is owned by a corporation, right? And, and it don't matter. It's all, they're all hired hands. Some of them are Egyptian. Some of them are white. The other two farms are owned by men in their 60s, mid-60s, late-60s, who, who um whose sons are are off in the city working a career, and and they don't know who what's going to happen to their farm. That their son will probably sell it and uh, either to a corporation or or it'll become a subdivision or something, and I'll have to move. <laughs> it, it's um yeah yeah it's that that's true of of a lot of small farms, and particularly here in the Northeast, the government has purposely made it impossible to to um operate a small farm and and have hopes of of a lucrative career at it, it it's um it, it's becoming less and less attractive with taxes and and with regulation yeah they um yeah they didn't seem, they didn't seem to please, but, you know, like, like you're saying they're their offspring were uh, gone off doing Whatever they could to make money, that, that farming certainly wasn't looking favorable anymore. And, you know, it's seen that as strong and as disciplined and as tight-knit as an Amish community to be broken that far apart. And, uh, you know, like I said, having to prostitute themselves out to giving buggy rides and opening hotels and, you know, any just to, just to pay for their, basically their property taxes because... A lot of them own their own properties. They're not, they're not going through Jew bankers and loans to get, you know, anything to pay off. They have, they own everything they have, you know. So it's, um, yeah, it's a shame to see that because you know that that is our brethren, whether or not they know the truth. Which is, as you know, me and Bob are talking to yourself, You know, we're in a better spot than they are because we know what's coming. We know who's who. And these people, you know, they have the lifestyle down pat, but. They just have no idea what's coming, you know. Well, well, right. It, it's it's because the government's made it impossible for these the, these the, the people younger than us that they they don't see a future in inheriting the family farm. That they just don't. The regulation is burdensome. That the the, the um, market opportunities are getting slimmer and slimmer, and and it's big agribusiness that's doing that. That's having Congress pass this legislation that oppresses the small farmers because they want them out of business. They don't want people. They want people dependent on them. They don't want you to be able to walk down the road a mile and buy milk from a farmer. They don't want that. That's anathema to them. They don't want people that are that are that are independent, that that aren't um, sucking at the tit of mystery Babylon. That that's all they want. They want us all there sucking at the tit of mystery Babylon. They want us all dependent on the corporate structure in this in this country. We all have to be under the thumb of the Jew. And and to do that, they have to eliminate the small family farm, and and they're only a generation or two away from that, uh, unless they even speed that process up. 
Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. As far as the Amish goes, they're basically compromising what their own belief system was, you know, to stay an exclusive community and not have to deal with anybody from the outside to, you know, like I said, opening up, you know, regular commercial businesses and such now. So, you know, they might, sur- that might buy them some time right now, but, um, you know, I... You know, from I grew up in Wisconsin where there's a lot of Amish communities, and I would have never have thought they would have ever been bent over enough to compromise like that. And they certainly were out in out in this neck of the woods. So it's um it just goes to show that you know we we at least are enlightened enough to know what's going on and to make the proper decisions with the warnings we have at hand. You know, and you know things like you know well you you know you know what's going on so. It's just a matter of making the right decisions at this point. Well, well, it's um hopefully, but ho- hopefully we'll run out of Babylon before we run out of um Amish, right? <laughs> hopefully the system will crash, but before that happens. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was funny too because I was asking, I was like, "You guys don't take any converts? Like, there's no way you can enter an Amish community?" And he's like, "Nope, don't want nothing to do with it." And I was like, well, "That's good. That's good." <laughs> There's no chance for pollution then. And then Bob Bob brought up the point. He, you know, he he said, um, he said, he said, yeah, things are getting bad. He says, you know, you're getting a lot of immigrants into this country that don't belong here. We're supposed to stay European, and he was like, yeah, absolutely, I agree with you 100. percent Well, Mike, if he agrees with him 100, percent then uh, what does he have a disagreement about? other Europeans entering into uh, their community. You can't confirm their bloodline. Well, how can they confirm theirs, really? Because they can go back. I mean, just like, you know, some, you know, like you said, you could go back how many generations of people. They, I mean, they have strict records of who their great-great-great-great-great-grandparents were and exactly what community they came from. I mean, they're very vigilant in where their bloodline comes from. So... You know, and they've been like that since, you know, since they came over here. And so they, uh, you know, they're, they're, I have no doubt in the fact that, that that they're pure in that. Can they trace it back to the tribe of Manasseh, like Commander McBrag? Oh, well, no, but what they do have is they have a much, um, a much better shot than most Americans at, at being rel- relatively pure, right? Uh, I mean, if if you... There was such a separation for so many thousands of years between our race and the other races in Europe. It's highly unlikely, I think, that if you can trace your all of your ancestors back to the respective European countries and understand that those people are white people at where you came from, right? I mean, if they came from Byzantium, you might have a problem, right? Or, or from Sparta or, you know, places, Sicily, places like that. But if your ancestors came here from from um, one of the white, still white regions in Europe, and, and you know that, and, and you can trace them all back to there, then, then you probably don't have anything to worry about. I mean, nothing's a guarantee, and we all understand that. None of us have a guarantee. That is part of our punishment. But if, if I could trace all of my ancestors back on, on the boat to um, and know that they came from Scotland and, and Britain and Germany, that then chances are I don't really have to worry about anything, right? Well, the Amish can do that. And, and most Americans can't do that. Most Americans I know can't go back more than two, two generations. It's sad, but it's true. 
I've met, I don't know how many guys, countless guys, who couldn't even tell me their grandmother's last names, which is sad. I think I cut the sensitivity on my mic a little. I hope I didn't cut it too much. No, it sounds good. Every breath I was making, every little, I'm eating these little Cheez-Its crackers, every little cracker I, I eat, uh, I, I see my little white lighting up, and <laughs> sorry about that. Just snack hound. Oh, what? Tell us about the Jewish pizza parlor, Mike. Well, it wasn't just a Jewish Jewish pizza parlor. <laughs> it was the next day at the big botanical gardens that we all went to too. Oh, we didn't hear about that one yet. Some of us heard about the Jewish pizza parlor, but yeah, we uh, went to this Jewish pizza parlor, and I had one of my older shirts on, which we made back in '08. It was the Star of David crashing into the towers, and it said ProThink.org on the top. And I had my uh, my coat on over me the whole time, and I was subliminally thinking, I better keep the coat on until we actually get our food. Because I think about these kind of strange things when I have you know shirts on, or when I'm you know thinking about, well, you know, if this guy's a Jew and he sees this, is he going to spit in my food or whatever? So I always think about this stuff and prepare for it. So I left my coat on until the instant they brought our food to the table, then I took it off. Then I noticed, uh, you know, this is, by the way, our waiter. We're at the back of the restaurant. Nobody else is there. And um, then I noticed that this other guy, big hook nose, tall-looking rat-faced Jew, <laughs> he's coming and cleaning another table next to ours. Well, at the whole time, I'm thinking, he seems to be looking at my shirt, but I have my arms kind of in front of my shirt in a sense that, um, no, it wasn't a Jewish pizza parlor. It was masquerading as an Italian family uh, pizza parlor. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, So I'm, I'm kind of covering the shirt. So they could see the Star of David, but they couldn't make out what the shirt website said, or they didn't really see the, the Twin Tower silhouettes in it. You know, but they're scoping me out. Like, oh, is this, is, is this guy a Jew? You know, is this guy... Because I've had that happen to me before, where Jews have seen that, sh that particular shirt. And thought, you know, they didn't really look at it enough. And oh, you Hebrew? As a matter of fact, I made a video when I was on the bus tour. We had a truck stop in Bruce's truck, and I had a big blowout with a Jew, uh, a Jew trucker. I'm the, the poorest Jew in the world, and I told him, I said, you're lying, rat-faced Jew, and the Holocaust didn't happen, and you Jews did 9-11. I went off on them. Anyways, so I noticed that these guys are trying to scope my shirt. The actual waiter we had and another waiter who was cleaning a table. And so... The one was real slick. I had the identical logo and everything's on the back of my shirt. You know, I'm leaning, I'm, I'm leaning forward eating, but kind of keep my arms covering the shirt. And I notice he's cleaning the table to the front right of me, but he dips back real fast behind me to look at the shirt, and it comes back, and then he hauls butt back up to the front of the restaurant because we're at the back of the restaurant. And then sure enough, our waiter comes back and he goes, "Hey, what's what's that shirt? Because we're we're all Jewish here and." I, I, you know, I just wonder what the shirt is, and it, it caught me off guard right there because I kind of figured they were Jewish, but I wasn't prepared to like, you know, I don't know, start uh, seeing high on them or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, you weren't eating in you you weren't eating in a matzo joint. You were eating a pizza parlor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I wasn't prepared, so we kind of um, just kept things smooth right there. Like, oh well, no, this. Um, I kind of played it soft right there with him, like, no, this is uh, kind of anti-Zionist, uh, so I'm not really down with the the state of Israel over there. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. That's how it is with me. And, you know, I just, we kind of played it, you know, played it real smooth, and then 
we got up to the up to the counter and um I had my jacket back on at this point and I, and me and John and I are standing at the counter and I opened up the jacket and I said, You know what this is, right? And I said, These are the twin towers, you can kinda of tell what's going on here. <laughs> he says, What's that? I said, Yeah, I said Israel did nine eleven. obviously when I say Israel I don't mean us, I mean that toilet bowl in the Middle East, but um you know, he goes, what? I said, yeah. I said, yeah, that's just, you guys did it over there in Israel. And then he goes, um, and he goes, oh, well, that's, uh, you know. I, I said, well, why don't you go to the website and check it out? You know, just right here's the website, prothink.org, you know. <laughs> I said, actual movies on, you know, 911missinglinks.com. You can go there, too. But, it, and I looked behind me, and the big, tall, hook-nosed Jew was just, he was sitting over there talking to their token Negro and uh, their little Jewess friend oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i look back and, and bob's kind of standing off to the side of them kind of trying to get in i was trying to scope them out trying to scope them out and you could just see the scorn on that guy's they face were mad. they were mad <laughs> like i got a couple of good old-fashioned anti-semites in the store will be <laughs> well, that's the way it is that they, they hate us when we have that attitude right i mean i'm german and, and a Jew would never expect me to get mad at him in the streets of New York if he started talking about the Nazis. You're not talking about the Jews. You're just make, making a fact that you could prove that Israel was behind 9-11 and they should check out the evidence and they hate you just for saying it. Yeah, and then he, then he started chastising me by saying something like, well, you know, there's some people that... Uh, he knew the Jewish game... For all those who haven't figured this out, this whole 9-11 truth movement is all a Jewish operation to control the set and make damage control on what happened on 9-11. Something that took me three, four years of, of consistently stomping through their mud to figure out, but I ended up here, lo and behold. But he knew the whole a Jewish fairy tale conspiracy theory right off the bat. Like, well, some think it was an inside job and that George Bush did it, as if... I was supposed to revert back to that now knowing the Jews actually did it. You know, like he wanted me to buy into that, but at the same time chastising it. So, yeah, that was that was pretty much the end of that tale. But, you know, and, and Bob's going, I'm never going back here again. It's just funny because he, you know, he'd like that place and they had good food, but uh, it was uh, Jew infested. So we were like, the next day we're like, we're going to go to this big uh, botanical garden things and, and, um, we we get there, you know, Bob's like, oh, this place, I swear, is going to be all white. You know, it's good white people, you know, blah, blah, blah. We walk in, and the first people I catch in my line of sight were two Hasidic Jews. Early <laughs> sideburns and everything, and I just stood there with my jaw up. I'm like, oh, this is too good to be true. <laughs> <laughs> I really was uh, you know, wanting to say some things at that point after the whole night before, but we didn't. But um, they went off in their own thing, and then I saw them later on. I sit there. I gave my wife a kiss. She was having a good time. It was like, this is a beautiful place. I gave her a kiss, and, you know, it was, it was really romantic. And I literally, after I pulled my mouth away, about two feet next to me off to my left, and my wife was sitting at the right, there were them two Hasidic Jews right there. And I'm like, oh! <laughs> it turned a really good moment into a, a, a hellacious satanic moment. <laughs> so yeah, that was our um, that was our ordeal for them two days. <laughs> How much for the botanical gardens? I didn't know Jews were into flowers. 
Yeah, and he seems really, uh, really fairy-like, really sweet. You know, that faggoty, uh, if you call it like that. Like there were some uh, some homosexual rabbis that like each other, pedophile rabbis. It was, I don't know, they just seemed really sweet, really queeny. Well, I, I would bet you go out to Fire Island in in in, in um in, in New York City and and match a fag, and half the time you'll hit a Jew. <laughs> I bet you would. Same thing with Greenwich Village. Sadly, I've been there. I know. I've never been to Fire Island though. I've just heard about it from Jewish fags. I I, I used to um, years ago. I worked for a company, and the controller was a Jewish fag. And he used to rave about Fire Island all the time, and I made up my mind that I was never going there. Yeah, it wouldn't be on my top list of... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and they call it Fire Island because it's hot. <laughs> Curtis, how you doing? I see you wanted to, you, you had something to say, I hope. I'm doing good. I was just prepared for it. Well, let's not have too much silence here. You can't go anywhere without without them anymore, Mike. It's crazy. That, that's I mean, they're everywhere. That they claim to be only three percent of the population, or probably really fifteen at least. Yeah, that is the biggest myth that the white nationalist movement in general needs to get over. And if, if you know, I hear these guys talking about that too. They're only two or three percent of the population. If you haven't figured out that that is a bullface lie at this point. And they they might have us outnumbered. We certainly know that the mestizos and the Negroes in this country are certainly undercounted for in the, at this point. And that, well, for that matter, a lot of Arabs. You know, I was looking at the, the place to stand at. You have to go to the police station to actually register and all this stuff. Anyways, I walk in there and I see their FBI top most wanted list. And there's all these mestizos up there wanted for something. And it says for race, Caucasian... And then in parentheses, Hispanic whites. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the FBI statistics, they've been skewed for 40 years like that. That ain't nothing new. So that just goes to show you, you know, if, if you have any fairy tale fantasy that whites are even 40 or 50 percent of the population, you're far off. You're way far off. So that, that you know, because... I, I noticed generically in the white nationalist movement, we're supposed to really get our butts in gear by 2050 because we'll start being a minority by then. You better get your butt in gear like 10 years ago because that's probably when we became a minority. Right, absolutely. I, I would fully agree. Well, when they were saying that America was 75% white, it was probably really 50% white. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if the separation of Jews not being white, you know, not being European is... Um, really damaged us, you know, by them not classifying that. And they obviously weren't going to, but that's, uh, you know, them adding mestizos and Arabs to the white race as, as a census bureau is horrible. Absolutely. A lot of Hispanics, a lot of, yeah, the mestizos, a lot of the Arabs, the Turks, a lot of Tatars and, and people that are really Mongolians. It's And, and they count them all as white. Not, not to mention the peoples of, of Southern Europe that aren't really white. A lot of Frenchmen aren't French, and a lot of Italians aren't really Italian, and a lot of Greeks aren't really Greek. I mean, that's just a, a, a sad fact of life, but they're all counted as white. And I've seen some Italians that were, I knew were white, and I've seen some some Italians that I knew weren't, but they're all counted as white. So our numbers are really a lot lower than the census reflects. Probably only about two-thirds what the census reflects, but which is sad. The Arabs should never be counted as white. 
that's just blatant. Uh, a Jordanian or, or a Palestinian or an Algerian or a Libyan, that, that's just blatant. Uh, I mean, that's not even a, a possibility. Uh, I mean, at least with, with the Greeks and the French and, and, you know, the Southern French and the Greeks and the Southern Italians, at least there's a possibility. With the Algerians and the Libyans, there just ain't no possibility at all. And, and they're counted as white. And they're brown people count, being counted as white. It's, it's, it's nuts. It, it's just a lie. And I know for, from my law enforcement days that the FBI crime statistics have always been skewed that most of the crime that's in the white category is actually perpetrated by mestizos, by Hispanics. It's like calling darkness light and light darkness, right? Right. Well, there well, it is absolutely true that Jews and Arabs are basically the same DNA. They're all Canaanites, Veer. Jews and the Arabs are both, both carry all the blood of the Canaanites and of the nations of Canaan. And a lot of the Mexicans do, too. The J. Hepler group. It's historically evident. Esau, Esau married the wife of Ishmael, but if you look at the history of Edomia, the Ishmaelites always played a large role in it. Even in the Old Testament, that's very evident. That's absolutely evident in, in the prophets, in Isaiah, in Ezekiel, and Jeremiah. The Arabs are every bit as Canaanite as the Jews are, and, and vice versa. Islam is a religion concocted and, and contrived by the Jews. They could get the Arabs on the same page and still maintain the distinction. It's kind of like a caste system, Judaism and Islam. That's the way I see it. Well, do we have anything else here tonight? Uh, I mean, we can't um, be be done with this already. It's only been 85 minutes. Well, maybe we can be, but I, I'd rather not. Well, out of 20 people in this room, I'd imagine right now that, well, more than 20, right? Yeah. I, I would imagine some of Somebody has something creative to say we can talk about here. That'd be a good thing. Go ahead and jump up to the mic. Request talk power here. Yeah, I thought Curtis had something, but maybe he's changed his mind or lost it or I don't I don't know. But the bottom line is that every time a Jew opens his mouth about Nazis or Hitler, we should accuse him of being an anti-Christian. Oh, an antichrist. That's what they are. But we should let them hear it. Why are you an anti-Christian? There's three or four instances on on my website, and Mike, I think you got some too of, of of that demonstrate where all the Jews today, even in the streets of New York, in the streets of Tel Aviv, they consider all Christians to be Nazis, don't they? Yeah, and then they got those leftist anti-Zionist crowd that's somehow trying to confuse Jews with being Nazis and Hitler being the founder of Israel. When you know. Everybody nowadays, it's, it's a good thing on the sense that Hitler cannot be shoved under the rug and forgotten, like you know, like some other people in history that have railed against the Jews. So what they have to do is they have to barrage propaganda against them. But if you look on the media everywhere, anything that personifies evil is Nazi, Hitler, Germany, Hitler, Nazi. You know, people are getting sick. If you go to Amazon.com website. And you look at the Mein Kampf book reviews, you will see a lot of people on there sans the Jews, but you will see people on there that will say in their comments, you know, I, I bought all this propaganda that hit, I mean, no, nothing of what we know. Let me, let me say that. Nothing. Nothing about Jews or anything. They just said, I want to read a book about this maniac. You know, that's, that's all they did. And they'll say in their comments, yeah, I thought this guy was a maniac and blah, blah. He, you know what? He was actually smart. He had things figured out. You know, these Jews do seem to be doing the same thing today. 
And it's funny because they can't, you know, Hitler wrote at the end of his book that his words, Bill, you can probably quote this better than I can, but something along the lines of his words are going to do more damage once he's gone than when he was alive. Kind of like art is, you know? Well, absolutely. He, he knew everything they were up to, and he knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew that his words were timeless. There's no doubt. Yeah, so that I, I found it interesting, like I said, to read the comment sections on that. You know, people that actually read the book and, you know, and come from not knowing anything to just reading Mein Kampf and going, wow, you know, that was pretty enlightening. It was completely different than they thought, you know, and it made complete sense. So, yeah. Well, my, my Mein Kampf site is still number two on the search results from Mein Kampf PDF, right? That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, this, this garbage of calling Bush a Nazi or, or Hitler, you know, first of all, the leftists were calling Bush Hitler. <laughs> all the all these quasi-right-wing Tea Party teabaggers are uh, calling Obama Nazi Hitler. I'm like, none of these people. If, if we had Nazi Hitler anything in the White House right now, we would not be in this mess. These people would not be crying. Well, the wrong people would be crying about stuff, I should say. But, you know, it's, uh, it's pathetic. It really is. It's the old AJ crowd, right? Well, they certainly... It's this whole anti-Zionist crowd. Like I said, I still got... You know, I still got articles in my archives, and uh, you know, I'm not ashamed to admit it. Where uh, Hitler was a Jew and a Zionist. He worked in... You know, and I was, didn't know any better, you know? And so... You can see the progression of that. I remember there was another guy that had a website, uh, pretty popular, a white nationalist movement website, and I had confronted him a few years back when I was just getting into Zionist and I was being fed all this Hitler was a Jew crap, and I was arguing with the guy, you know, you're wrong and you're this and this and that, you're working for the Jew, the Zionist, you know, this is the kind of stuff. You have to realize there's a lot of people that are learning this stuff that are at that stage right now, and we need to not necessarily attack them we need to bring them along you know there's a couple people that were that were crucial in bringing me along and henceforth myself bringing other people along because there you know there's there's people that, that that have followed my website for years and as soon as i started saying anything positive about hitler and nazis they took aback like no uh you're, you went off the deep end i'm like wait a second there's more to the story than the conspiracy theorists about hitler being a jew and all the crap that goes on but, um, you know, getting back to my point, this, you know, the, those are the stages that you go through. And, and you know, it's like, a, like the banner I made for Bill's site, uh, mk.christogenia.org. You know, I, I, I put the most, one of the most lied about people in history, Adolf Hitler. And it, it truly is that, you know, next to Jesus, Yeshua, you know, um, Hitler is one of the most lied about people ever in history. You know, at least... A good thousands of years, he's got a he's got a record of being the most lied about, and it's a shame. It's a shame, but uh, uh, it'll come out. It'll it'll all come out sooner or later. The, the Jews, when they the, their last ditch effort when they want to destroy somebody is to make them one of them. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and it's an excellent game plan. I'm not going to knock them for that. Strategically, that is a beautiful game plan. You know that your enemy already has identified you, and anybody that identifies with you is the enemy. And so what do you do? You take the top leadership, the person that railed against them the hardest in the last century, and you say, he was one of us. 
Oh, by the way, uh, recently, you know, like I saw in the news, he's part Negro, too. Get... Ah. <laughs> they are pitiful. So Hitler was part Jewish and part Negro, you know, absolutely anything but. But, um, you know, that people like myself a couple years ago, and even some of the people on here right now, that was what we believed because we didn't know any better. So, you know, my advice to a lot of people on here that, that have seen this game and can understand it would be to reach down and kind of bring some of these people out of that that delusion, you know, help spread the information. You know, I, I love promoting uh, uh, Bill's Mein Kampf website because it is a beautiful archive of information on, on Nazi Germany and World War II history. And, uh, you know, done an excellent job on that, Bill. Thanks. Hopefully um, I'll, I'll be able to get to it. I've just, uh, I haven't really um, had, a, had a lot of time for it the last few months. Uh, I've been a bum. Well, it's it doesn't need to be a... a a news site, though, you know, once you have the content, or a lot of the good content up there, you know, it's like I leave uh, Missing Links or Jesus Not a Jew. Those sites, that's it. That's the content. You come there, you learn that. You know, it's not like something that's going to constantly be evolving. You know, obviously you can add more to define the message even further, but what you have on there right now is, is will keep a lot of people busy and will make them very well informed with what goes on. You You won't you won't be fooled by too much after reading what you have on there already. So, well, thank you. It's just to um to make people think. Uh, I mean, it's absolutely crazy the uh, the sum of the views on Hitler. Hitler was a Rothschild agent. All right, let's say Hitler was a Rothschild agent. It, it's real simple. Why the hell was there a war? If the Rothschilds controlled Germany, there would be no war. They lost control of Germany to Hitler. That's why there was a war. It's that simple. Yeah, I mean, I gotta give it up to these, uh, you know, these anti-Zionist and patriotard crowds. They've they've tried to make up some good excuses. Let's let's go back to some basics here with Alex Jones. Anybody has seen the film he put out back in 2006, and uh, I was personally there for the premiere of it in uh, in L.A. when the conference was going on. And at the time, I thought, oh man, this is amazing. <laughs> Let's let's just point out just a small piece of the propaganda of these other people that just lie to you. You know, they get you to a certain level and they lie and they misguide you. In the film Terror Storm, you, you've all heard this. The Gordon Duff from Veterans Today and all these anti-Zionist crowds and uh, I don't even need to name any more names, but these clowns out here will quote, will quote, that Hitler burned down his own Reichstag just like Bush burned down the towers. Neither of which are true. But the reason they're doing that is to make a relation that this history repeats itself, which it does, but they're not telling you the right history on either faction. They're not telling you that it wasn't Bush and Cheney, it was the Jews. You know, they're not telling you that it was the Jews that burned down the Reichstag, the communists, just like it was written in those books in that time. But here's the funny part is that Alex Jones and these other crooks, these other lying deceivers, are quoting, get this, the Nuremberg trials. Yes, that's right, the Nuremberg trials that the Jews from Britain, the Jews from the United States, and most importantly, the Jews that ran Russia and basically led a lot of the Nuremberg trials to concoct this evidence by the way, alongside this myth of six million Jews being persecuted with lampshades and soap bars. So if you believe that, well, maybe you can believe Hitler burned down his own Reichstag. 
But this is where these clowns quote this piece of information as evidence and present this like in films like Terror Storm. Hitler burned down his own rice days and secret documents. And it, it, it was kind of funny because later on, once I began to learn more, I also noticed that the, he talked about the USS Liberty in this film, Terror Storm, as well. And he put it on um, LBJ, uh, Lyndon B. Johnson at the time, as being the orchestrator. You know, he's Lyndon B. Johnson orchestrated as if he was the sole person, kind of like Bush did 9-11. Absolute BS. And because I interviewed the vets... And the ones I've talked to, I've been to a library, the USS Liberty Memorial Library. I got to look at documents that aren't even on the Internet yet, which I plan on doing that, by the way. But LBJ did not know anything that was going on when the USS Liberty happened. Matter of fact, my recollection from talking to the vets was that they had, they had a first transmission, had got out, you know, they blocked five of the major frequencies from the ship, and a guy had climbed up the tower while they're being strafed by the jets and the, the fighter the fighter boats, and the guy climbed up the tower threw a line up so they could get a new signal out to the to the neighboring fleet, the USS America fleet. And the fleet was, we're being attacked right now. That was the first signal. LBJ and uh, got the call, and they figured, he automatically assumed this was Egypt. He sent fighter planes right away to go defend the USS Liberty ship and bombers to go bomb Cairo, Egypt. Second signal came past from this guy that went up there and threw this line up there. It is Israel that is doing this. That's when LBJ got put in his position that the cat was out of the bag, called back the, the, the fleet. See, if this would have been something planned and orchestrated by him, he would never sent the planes out from the get-go. He would have said... Just don't worry about it right at that point. He wouldn't have called the planes out and then called them back in again. So this is just going back, like I said, these clowns with this Hitler is a Jew stuff. And let's go back even further. Jesus was a Jew. They love that one, don't they? So like you know, but basically what I'm getting to again is is gotta reach out and, and educate these people that are at these halfway points and bring them further on so they can be educated and, and come join their brethren that are uh, that are far more enlightened than them. Well, I knew years ago when I was in prison, I used to listen to Coast to Coast late at night, and I only listened to Coast to Coast ba basically to drown the niggers out and, and for entertainment value, right? And, and I knew that Alex Jones was a shill th three, four years because before I got out of prison because he was on Coast to Coast. He was on Coast to Coast quite often. Alex Jones, Steve Quayle, Lawrence Gardner. There's a whole bunch of clowns on Coast to Coast that make up their own religion and basically, or in Alex Jones's case, that have their own brand of politics that exists for two reasons. First, to, to protect the game the Jews play about being the children of Israel. And, and second, deflect from the Jews all sorts of criticism. Coast to Coast is one example of a so-called quote-unquote alternative media program that's absolutely 100% controlled by the Jewish establishment. Michael Savage is another one. He equates Semitism, I'll call it, you know, Judaism or whatever you want to call it, with Americanism. He has 99% of the conservative argument and issues, he's on the right side of them. When it comes to Israel and Palestine, he's a rampant Zionist. Why? 
because that's what he gets paid to do. He gets paid to keep the so-called extremist right in the camp of the Jew. So he has 10, 20 million listeners that are all on the so-called extremist right that all picture themselves as ultra-conservatives or extreme right-wing conservatives, and yet they're all Zionists because they listen to Michael Savage. And he convinces them that, that to be American is to support Israel. And that's that alternative media that when, when the Jews, when you're being promoted on coast to coast like Alex Jones was, or being set up as, as, and, and popularized in order to provide that function for the Jews, to deflect criticism from the Jews. That's the bottom line. That's why they have that alternative media on, on AM radio. AM radio was dead until Rush Limbaugh, Michael Savage, un, until they resurrected the, um, the, the, this right-wing radio that, that brought AM radio back to life. And, and it, was all, it, it was all orchestrated by the Jews. Now, Alex Jones, yeah, he's a stepping stone for a lot of people, but, but he's just a shill that exists to deflect criticism from the Jew. And Steve Quayle, he isn't, he isn't going to put up with any criticism of the Jews either, because he gets paid by them too. He likes those nice, glossy books they publish of his, with pictures of giants in it and all kinds of dumb stuff. Alex Jones is a fraud. And anybody that did a night on Coast to Coast AM is a fraud. And they're being popularized in, on, on the fringes to, to keep the fringes um, in, in, a, in a state of... of non-anti-Judaism in a state where, where, they, where they remain sympathetic to the Jew. It's all about slave control. Speaking of radio, uh, this would be a good time to bring up uh, for everybody out there could um, help assist in figuring out how we can get Bill Fink on shortwave radio since we have people like Pete Peters on there right now. And Come on, people. We don't want uh, the world listening to Pete Peters represent CI, right? So if we could uh, figure out what we got to do to get Bill on the airways on shortwave, because, uh, well, not only Pete Peters, but Alex Jones, uh, Tex Mars, and the Power Hour are on shortwave. So well, they, have, they all have money for shortwave because they're doing the bidding for the two. <laughs> exactly. That's why we got to pull our resources together a little bit harder so we can get you up on, on the shortwave uh, band and... And uh, start getting this out there and get it, you know, certainly going to be another good avenue. I definitely have to look at that. The um, streaming radio is nice, but I haven't really slaughtered the airwaves with listeners, right? Even though I have two stations publicly listed, it really hasn't taken off, right? Curtis, did you ever come up with what you wanted to say? Or, 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 or um, I'm not trying to put you on the, on, on the fire, but are you still there, Curtis? I think Curtis left us. I don't know, Kent. I, I got to look into it. We, we got to do some research. I think that's Mike's. We're just putting feelers out, right? Maybe, maybe there are people here that know about it. Yeah, you know, there are a lot of turkeys on shortwave radio. That it, it would be nice if um, if we could get a presence there somehow. I'm here, Bill. What kind of equipment is needed shortwave? Well, well, I don't know. That's why we're putting feelers out, right? I have no idea how much the equipment costs. I have no idea how much it, it's um. It's just something that we'd like to look at because Pete Peters and, and all these other guys have no problem getting on it. So, so I'm just wondering why can't we, and, and Mike, we're wondering why can't we get on it. That's all. And the whole idea of shortwave was is that um, 
it seems to me like they initially set up shortwave to broadcast Christianity outside because you have to you actually when you set up shortwave it has to be broadcasted outside and aiming for another nation and it has to be Christian based. Well, obviously we can cover the Christian based stuff and aiming it outside of the country you still get it in the country as well, so that's not a problem. But you know it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt to say uh, you know broadcast over to Europe where they they can't talk about certain things they have laws against what they can think and speak so it'd be nice to be able to broadcast some good old-fashioned holocaust denial and yahweh over there right <laughs> well my listener peak on on my streaming radio on the one channel is 21 and the other channel i don't know because every time i have to reboot it it, it resets right uh, i'd have to go on the server and look at the statistics but, but I know 21, that's the more popular of the two channels. So there's a listener peak of 21 people. That's the most people that ever listened at the same time. There's um, about a dozen people listening right now. Yeah, well, we'd get a heck of a lot more people than that if we got you on shortwave. And it would it would benefit a lot of us to, to be able to do that. So. Most of Yahweh is 100-watt stereo, FM stereo station gear. I don't want to end up in trouble with the government. <laughs> it's. I don't know how you're going to disguise my crummy New York accent. <laughs> we'll give you Gerald's southern accent. <laughs> That'd probably be an insult to all uh, to all rednecks. Right, Veer. It's Canada's a different world. Canada's like Europe. There's no free speech at all. It's crazy. You could still get away with it. But, well, it's something we'd like to look into anyway. That that um we're thinking about researching, or or uh, I'm sure Mike just well we can do the research, but it'd be better if anybody had any knowledge of it to to um help us out. These days, looking up um well, looking up sites already. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's be honest here. It's going to take a little bit of funding to do this too. But like I said. Being able to hit a new avenue like this that's not solely based just internet is going to be a huge increase. So, and like I said, be able to reach our brethren out there in, in Europe that uh, that you know might be listening to shortwave out there. So. Right, absolutely. And and if Pete Peters can do it, well, well, we should be able to figure out a way, even if it's a much lower budget way. It, it's yeah. a damn shame he could do it. He's just a clown. Yeah, I was gonna say we should be insulted that he's on there spewing what he's spewing. We don't have Bill up there yet. Oh, that's one of the ideas that that's one of the better ideas we we have. I don't know. Curtis, did you ever come back? I hate to end this program, and he he wanted to say something and didn't get a chance. Yeah, I'm here. I didn't really have anything to say. Oh, okay. I I thought maybe you had something to say. Fist, my um, yeah, you know, my views of of Wickstrom are, are um, but let's just say they're complex, right? And leave it at that. But but no, uh, I don't have any desire to be in contact with him at the moment. Maybe next year when I'm off the chain, it'll be a different story. But there's a lot of things we don't see eye to eye on either. I, I don't have an. I don't hate the guy. Let's put it that way. But well, okay. If that's it, I'm going to end the program and and um, we could go down to the. Um, but well, it's the open house channel. But it's called Sleepy Time right now because it's been kind of quiet the last few days, and that was my idea of a joke. Actually, it may have been somebody else's idea of a joke. And thank you all for being here tonight. And and I'll see you um, hopefully next Monday. And and um, praise Yahweh because He's the reason why we're all here. God bless. God bless.